DJ PK, it is time to talk Pac-12 football on a huge weekend with Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network analyst, Oakland Raider analyst. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. And you're right, it is a huge weekend for the Pac. It's the Utes at Washington, 2 o'clock Mountain Time, 1 o'clock Pacific. And then that's on Big Fox. And then the next game on Big Fox is Oregon at USC. And the Utes need a win, and they need a USC loss. That is exactly what they need. What are the odds they're going to get what they need and what they want? (laughs) Well, I mean, they're pretty strong. They're probably going to be the strongest for the rest of the year. Um, uh, USC... Well, for the you know for USC the, the Trojan fans, one thing that takes a little solace in is the fact that your offense has got progressively better the weeks um, since you finally you know have your handle a quarterback with Slovis playing, um, and of course the rally last week to beat Colorado shows you something if you're you're feeling strong about SC, but I think this is a great test um, because I think Oregon's a strong enough team to beat SC. I don't think SC's record is as good as they are uh, really, um, but it might be a time for them to come back down to earth. But it's going to be a hard fight, hard, hard game. Yeah, uh, from the Utah perspective, uh, I'm a little bit nervous because if the uh, Trojans win, then yeah. I can make a strong case for them winning out. Yeah, yeah, because they've got they've got Arizona State, Cal, and uh, and UCLA now. Right. All three of those teams, aside from Cal's offense, is really struggling. But you know, having to go on the road to A State and having to go to Cal could be a big deal. And UCLA is playing a little bit better, so they might be able to get them. But you, you hate to hang your hat on that "what if" right. after this game because if they beat Oregon, they really send the pack in a total disarray. Of course, also if the Utes were to lose to Washington, then the appetite for watching that second game in these parts, I think, would drop like a rock. <laughs> so you follow Washington. You played at Washington back in the day, yeah. and so you know you dub. They're still your guys. You still see the purple and think, oh, I remember back in the day. So, what kind of shot does Washington have at beating Utah? Well, look, um, when I watched that Washington-Oregon game, I was really disheartened because I did not like the short yardage. I did not like the uh, intermediate passing game that Washington was trying to do. It was either, I mean, it was either feast or famine. And then their running game had some spots where it looked good, but for the most part it got shut out. So when you look at that versus Utah, the, the fact is that Utah likes to run the ball we know and likes to play stingy defense. So that's going to make it hard for Washington. Um, but my thing is that Washington has had two weeks to prepare for this game. They're going to have a few tricks up their sleeve, just like they had in Oregon, whether they're you know negated or denounced by penalty or whatever. They have a few tricks up their sleeve. So Utah's got to play its best game. And this is the type of year, you know, this is the type of game for Utah where it's a make it or break it game. Really, if you have all the sights in front of you to achieve, yes, you had the one hiccup earlier uh, in the season, but you were supposed to learn from that one hiccup and play outstanding football um you know they they got to have this game uh, as we've talked about before yeah and they really have because if you look at their defense in particular since that game it's just an absolutely dominant holding yep. washington state the way they did and then just obliterating the devils and cal so the way i look at this game there's many ways you can look at it and see this versus that but i'm looking particularly an experienced offensive line for washington versus an unbelievably experienced defensive line for the Utes. And whoever wins that battle, I think, I think will win the game. It's going to come down to the turnover battle, whoever generates the most turnovers, because 
Um, both teams are going to have to give, both defenses are going to try to have to give their offensive short field to work on. I don't really see either team being able to go down the field um, at, at, and, and, you know, just in their own little way and pick apart a defense. So I think the short field with the turnovers is going to be a key in this game. Do you view either team as particularly prone to that kind of thing? No. No, no, not. I mean, both teams play pretty good with the football, um, uh, you know. But as you guys said, you know, having the third rank, third best defense in the country is, is something special, um, and and that's what Utah has to, especially against the run. So, not saying that making Washington a one-dimensional team by putting him in the air is going to be a benefit to to Utah, but of course, anytime you're able to limit the field or cut off the amount of field or what an offense can do, can definitely work into your favor. How about this scenario? Both teams win out until they get to the conference final. Oregon wins, goes to the playoff. Utah then goes to the Rose Bowl. You think that can happen? Absolutely. But I think for the benefit of the Pac-12, as far as a national perspective, both teams have got to win out. I think if Oregon wins a game like this, especially at SC, um, and Utah wins at Washington, that would do so much that would have them looking somewhat more favorable in the polls uh, and the big things. Uh, and I've said it all along, the only hope right now is that you have to have uh, a dominant Oregon or Utah team um, represent in the Pac-12 championship. And therefore, the winner of that game will have enough, I, I think, enough momentum behind them to propel them into the playoffs. So you said that uh, you thought USC's offense was improving a little bit with mm-hmm. uh, just because they got a little stability at quarterback and they got you know right. Slovis back in that. Can Oregon handle those receivers? Because obviously the Utes had problems with those receivers. Yeah. Can can they shut those guys down, or is SC is going to be one big play after another? I think it's going to be a matter of getting to Slovis and blitzing and and keeping him harassed rather than trying to shut down those receivers. There were a lot of times during SC's run where they just threw the ball up and it was a 50-50 ball, and he had the better athlete come down with it. So, um, I, like I said earlier, I, I think the record is more inflated than, than actually USC is. I don't think they're as, as talented as the record uh, is, I should say. So, um, for the Utes, it's going to be, you know, you don't have to really run, worry about running the ball. SC doesn't run the ball. They're a pass-happy team. But you have to get to the quarterback and you have to harass them, and I think they can do that. Yeah, you say that pass happy, and you know, growing up in Arizona and then working in L.A., working in Utah, following the Pac-12 for all these years, it's really just so bizarre to see SC <laughs> play the way they play. You know, watching that game the other night against Colorado, you think, wow, this is, this is nothing that I've seen for, for generations. Is it sustainable for SC? Is it wise to go this way and just be so pass happy when you've made so much over the years over great offensive linemen and great running backs? Once upon a time, SC was known as running back U. Yeah, for sure. With all the Heisman Trophy winners they put out. Yeah, it is a little different. It is a little weird for me to watch. Um, as far as it being sustainable, I think for the immediate time being, being I think it is because I think if you're, if you're Elton, you know, head coach of the SC, you're, you're, you're on the line. You, you, you want to be a part of that exciting sort of, you know, uh, mo- model that you see most teams doing. And whether it's opening it up and doing it out of a, a shotgun where you have uh, gun runs or something like that, um, and, or just throwing the ball like they are, they've got a number of receivers on the outside. So it's got to find a way to get the football to them. Uh, it is a different – I don't know if it's necessarily sustainable for the media time being. They're winning. They're not going to change anything. 
Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network Analyst and Raider Analyst, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You know, uh, people don't realize this necessarily, but you get a big sports day like this, and sometimes work gets in the way. Are you actually going to be watching these games? you got other stuff you got to do. i got other stuff to do. I'm going to try to watch. i got a lot of stuff to do. I gotta, we've been on the road with the Raiders for so many weeks. I've gotten back up with my restaurants and all kinds of stuff. So I'm going to be busy this weekend and preparing for Detroit. But uh, i got a lot of stuff to do this week. You've been around for a long time, Lincoln, and seen a lot of things. I want to get your in thought on this idea of the NCAA allowing the players to make money off the likeness and some there's so many ways you can attack it, you know, say, well, finally bring it above board. They've been getting money for all this time under the table. I mean, I can only imagine right. what you know and what you've seen, but what are your general thoughts on this whole thing? It's long overdue. Um, especially the world changing. As long as the players have a way of understanding what what's at risk and what they're doing, which is, trust me when I tell you, it's it, it's a lot to be bargained with. It's no easy thing to understand business when most of these people don't, and most of the players don't have a, a business connection. You know, never never knew about it, never came from it. Hard, it's going to hard to understand it, but it is long overdue because the fact is is that the NC2A is making hand over fist way more money off the, the likeness of these of these players and across the board. And it doesn't matter which sport you're talking about. And it's just, as you mentioned, there's so much stuff that's been going under the table. When you have something that comes out like the, you know, the, the basketball uh, uh, you know, saga uh, with the players and, and coaches and recruiting and stuff like that, it looks really, really bad. But it's been going on for quite some time. And most people just haven't been able to bring it to light. Now that it comes to light, they're like, oh, my goodness, how could that happen? And who are these guys think they are? They should all be thrown in jail. Well, it's, it's, we're talking about playing sports on the next level, which is a collegiate level. We're talking about people getting education. We're talking about people, you know, it's the sports. It's not the most heinous offense that I think is jailworthy. All that being said, it's long overdue. And, and I hope they find a way to get it right. Because, um, um, you know, if you have the ability, say you're Jalen Hurts, you have the ability to market yourself and make some money on the side, well, it's not hurting Oklahoma in any way. Uh, and it won't hurt anything else. Just, you know, let them do its thing. So we know that there's been money under the table with shoe mm-hmm. and apparel companies. That's become clear. Booster, $100 handshakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems like it's escalated lately just because – Everything else, I mean, coaches are making more money. They're charging right. more money for luxury suites. TV, and, and the more money is out there, the, wor- the more it's worth it as an investment to risk it and slide money to a kid who you think is a difference maker, whether he is or isn't. Now, we're getting a lot of feedback from people who say it's going to wreck competitive balance, but hasn't there already been so much money under the table that the powerhouse schools are largely winning most of the time? And like my UC Santa Barbara, I mean, we, we are who we are. I mean, fight for, you know, one spot in an NCAA basketball tournament, and if you get it once a decade, you lose right away anyway. So is anything really going to change? Anything? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's apparent where it is. Look, you've got blue chippers that are stacking up at Alabama. Why? Because you've got, you got recruiting strategies that walk into people's houses and say, you know, to hell with an education. We'll put your kid in the league in three and a half years and show you a track record. 
And that's what people are signing up for. Um, you've got people on the West Coast, they want to know how many times they're going to be on TV and how many different uniforms they're going to wear. That's what people are signing up for. It's no longer about education. It's about trying to get as much exposure as you possibly can to try to hopefully put your future profits in holdings. So if, you're, if that's the truth, you know, of course, the noble idea as well, you get an education out of that should be the trade-off. Well, no, not necessarily because look how much money you know, they're making off of the likeness of you playing in a football game. And then you you know translate that to computer games and fantasy and everything else that happens. You know they're using your likeness, so you should. I think you should get a little slice of it. But as far as the competitive edge, I mean it's already prevalent. Clemson, Georgia, Alabama are going to get far better recruits than, you know, San Diego State, Fresno State. It it, it just it's that's the way it's always been, and that's the way it will always be. You speak of some of these kids and their backgrounds, and some of them come from impoverished backgrounds. I do have a little mm-hmm. bit of nervousness on what the opportunity of money can bring, because it sounds good in theory, but I also think there can be a dark side, and there's all sorts of stuff that could oh, happen yeah. if a kid who is 18, 19 years old and doesn't have the wardly, wardly ways, which most kids don't, no matter what background they're from, and so all of a sudden he's got cash. We've heard it from pros. You've got people coming at you from all sorts of angles. Do you see any downside or is there anything that can be done if once these kids get this type of money to be able to make sure that it's managed and used wisely? Having lived through it, there's a sense of invincibility when you get rewarded at such a young age with a lot of money. I came out of college as first round draft choice, number nine overall, and at the age of 22, I've got a seven-figure check in my hand. I've never seen anything this big before. Yeah. Um, thought that I had a theory. Thought that I had a way of handling it. You know, realized I still, you know, I still have people who you know took me and took advantage of the situation, and I lost money on bad deals and stuff like that. You're going to go through it. Um, the the thing is, is that you can only hope. And as far as a, a facility or a university is concerned, that you can just say, hey, you know what, um, you know, Nike wants to give you this deal. It's going to include a $20,000 bonus to wear their shoes. Um, what do you want? Someone who sits that, yeah, that, that young person's there and says, what do you want to do with this? Where do you want to put this? And tries to give them some information to help them learn how to manage it. That's the only thing you can hope for because everything else is going to be up to the individual. And when it comes to money, there's always a bad side. It doesn't matter where you are, you've got the best intentions, there's always a bad side. So that's just part of it. But the, the alternative is to just ignore it and let it go as the way it is, and it continuously be unfair. And then you can't fault a guy, you can't fault a, a, an athlete for a booster coming up and saying, man, what a great game, let me buy you that cheeseburger. Oh, okay. And then all of a sudden it'd be an infraction. Or the kid's suspended, or he yeah. lost a scholarship. Right. See what I'm saying? Yes. So that's what that's way it's been over the past, and and, and it has to change from that. So, do you see schools uh, hiring somebody who's cutting deals with uh, local companies for players to get them out there, and then the schools helping the players manage the money, budgeting, and, and all as long of as stuff? the schools can get a piece of it. Well, the way they would get a piece of it is getting the best players. I guess maybe yeah. they could take a commission too, but. Probably take, they probably end up taking a commission like most of them, but you will have companies that will pop up um, just like you did with AAU basketball where you had um, guys who were shopping players around using AAU basketball tapes to get uh, guys' scholarships. You'll have those come up. Right, so the potential is to try to help the kid and maybe reduce corruption, 
but there right. might be more corruption that develops because of it. That's that's my biggest yeah. concern. I could I'm all for the kids. Get whatever you can, fine. Right. But just make sure we just don't throw them to the to the dogs basically and say, "Hey, good luck with all this stuff now that you have no idea as you just said back when you were 22 and you were 22. Now we're looking at yeah, maybe 19, three, four years younger. younger." Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, is that you can only hope. But again, with money, we've seen money bring out the worst of everybody, right? Right, of I course. Mean, it, it, right, it, it's and it, it really is um, a, a dual-edged sword when you think about it. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But you got to hope for that. That maybe it comes out the best, and eventually you learn. You got to start from somewhere. Lincoln, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, guys. You guys have a great day. All right, you too. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network analyst and Oakland Raider analyst. Join us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.